Well, welcome to episode number one of the Dads on Tap podcast. Call this our maiden voyage, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. My name is Scott Maudsley, and I will be your host for this monthly podcast to help dads become better dads. I'm also the founder of the nonprofit Dads on Tap, which we started to partner with local breweries uh, to create spaces to help craft better dads. And you're going to hear today in our first episode, the story of Dads on Tap, how we got started, a little bit of my personal story, and then we're going to end with some practical ideas for you on how to become a better dad. But before we do that, one of the lifebloods of our nonprofit is our local brewery partners. And I'm honored today to have as our sponsor for the first podcast, our first ever chapter of Dads on Tap, Slowpour Brewery in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And if you have never been to Slowpour or you've never had one of their beers, I want to encourage you to go visit them in Lawrenceville or go to one of your local outlets and purchase some at a grocery store. They have fantastic beer, but more importantly than that, they care about their community. And so I'm excited today to start with an interview in this first episode with one of their owners, John, to tell a little bit more about the story and the heart behind Slowpour Brewery. All right. Well, John, hey, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. And, and I just want to, first of all, say thanks for being our Dads on Tap podcast sponsor for the first three episodes. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Great to start with one of the owners of our first brewery partner. And, and one of the things I know about Slowpour is that it's a really a family affair and super connected to your community. Can you tell us just a little bit about how you got started? How did the brewery get started? It all started with a Christmas gift from my brother-in-law, Marty Mazowie, who's my business partner in this whole affair. So it started with a gift exchange. I gave him a Christmas gift that he was really touched by and he returned the favor by giving me a homebrew kit. So it all started in my front yard with brewing beer. And uh, we uh, recognized a market here in Gwinnett County and an opportunity to become Gwinnett County's first craft brewery. So that was back That's in awesome. 2017. That's awesome. We've been partners with you most of the time you've been open. I didn't realize that we've been out three and a half years now. We've been there with you all. Yes, it's almost since the very beginning. Well, and for those who are listening who have never been to Slowpour, you guys have this fantastic facility. I think it was like what, like an old trouser factory or something? It was. It was in 1910, if I recall correctly, it was a trouser factory and then followed that up by a auction house for the last 30 or 40 years before we purchased it and got started. That's awesome. Well, uh, hopefully those who are listening in, if they haven't been, will be able to come visit because it's such a cool space. You guys have so many cool things that go on there. Thank you. You know, one of the things, John, I'll be forever grateful for is that your team really helped Dads on Tap get our start almost three and a half years ago now is really our pilot chapter. As a dad yourself, why is it important for Slowpour to engage in the community through partnerships like Dads on Tap and a lot of other special events that you guys do? Well, we feel really grateful to be a part of the Lawrenceville community as a small part of the business landscape. We look for every opportunity that we can to try to give back to our guests that come into our tasting room and choose to spend their hard-earned money in our tasting room. We feel like we owe it to our guests to provide unique experience that will help build into their lives in some way, shape, or form. And Dads on Tap was like the perfect thing for us to be able to partner with to be able to say, you know, this could be a really, really cool experience that we'd never heard of before. 
of giving dads an opportunity to come together and just learn how to be better at what we do as dads. I thought for me, when we first started talking, that was something that I thought, you know, there's just so few opportunities for men to get together and kind of be vulnerable with each other and just go, look, I, I, I don't have all the answers. I really don't know what I'm doing. I, I kept looking for that handbook when you go home from the hospital and they don't, they don't seem to give you one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So you'd figure someone <laughs> would have written it by now, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we have been grateful, man. Your team has been such a blessing to us. And, you know, we've literally had hundreds of dads now over the last three and a half years that have gone through and, you know, at varying stages from newborns, we've even had empty nesters come in, right? We're all jealous of them, of course, right? And the, but we've been able to share the opportunity just to learn and to grow. And, and so it has been a great partnership. But I also know that, you know, this whole thing started with a home brew kit, right? And one of the yeah. reasons you guys have been around for five plus years and continue to expand not only across the region, but I think now into some other states even, you know, it's because you guys have great beer, right? I mean, what is your philosophy around beer? How do you guys think about the beers that you brew? What do you think about what goes into the different ideas and things that you come up with? You know, when we first started back in 2017, I was kind of the only person knocking around in here. I was doing brewing and and a variety of other things. And we've been really lucky to bring on a lot of really talented brewers since that time. So now we have Matt LaMatina, we have Ryan Silva and Josh Miller, who are all kind of heading up that brewing operation side. And so, you know, we had our core beers I was a part of in the beginning with uh, Nostalgic Cotillion and Southernality. And since that time, they kind of meet on a quarterly basis. And I've told them, I'm like, look, your passion is what's going to breed great products for us. And so if they're passionate about it and they really want to brew something and they get excited about it, I'm not going to stand in the way and say, well, no, I don't want you to brew that. I want you to brew this. I really feel very strongly that that passion that they want to bring into that creative process is what's going to make great products for us in the long run. So they have their meetings throughout the year and decide what we're going to brew. And they kind of let me know. And we just make sure that it lines up with what the market is looking for and we give thumbs up and they kind of run at it. Uh, it's worked really, really well. Again, it's it's uh, a multitude of, of people speaking into that process. And I just try to, I try to get out of the way and give them what they need to make sure that they can get their job done. That's awesome, man. Well, not only great beer, but one of the things I love about what you guys do with your beers is I think you guys do something with artists, don't you? I mean, ever I, I feel bad throwing away one of your cans because it's it's so, it has such great art on it. But tell us a little bit about your philosophy around creating your cans. Yeah, so we rebranded right before COVID hit. We were starting to get some positive momentum with the can that we had put out, and so we have a tattoo artist named Eddie Stacy. He did our can art. We provided him kind of with the can format, and the rest of the can was kind of his canvas to be able to do what he wanted with it. And the way that I've always thought of our cans is kind of when I was a kid, every morning I would get up and eat the same cereal, whatever the cereal was, Lucky Charms or whatever. And you'd stare at that same cereal box and you knew that cereal box like the back of your hand. And when we were rebranding, I thought, you know, this is kind of our cereal box moment, these cans sitting in front of people. And I I really wanted them to have just a multitude of detail that every time you sat down in front of our cans, maybe you saw something new. And so we found Eddie Stacy. He works at a, at a tattoo shop in Roswell called Ink and Dagger. And he does a lot of the tattoos for Atlanta United players and has done some of the team posters and so on. And just super gifted guy. So for our core brands, we kind of went in that direction. And then as you were alluding to, 
We try to get some local artists to speak into our brand. So Nebula Gold, I can't think of the release date right off the top of my head, but that's coming up. And a local artist designed the artwork that you see on that can. And then we have t-shirts and, and stuff that kind of go along with that as well. So we just kind of see it as a way to continue a story around that brand and really give somebody a piece of art that matches the art that went into the, the liquid inside the can. That's awesome. Well, and in fact, Nebula Gold, we did a little tasting with a couple of Dads on Tap guys at the end of this podcast. It's going to release by video, and that's one of the beers we tasted, man. It was fantastic. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> So that just shows, John, everything you guys do is so community-based, right? Even you're thinking about how, you know, what you put on your can is community-based. It's one of the things I love about you. But let's, as we close here, I want to get really super practical. You yeah. know, As one of the founders, one of the owners, you've tasted a lot of your beers. If there was one slow-pour beer that you wish everyone could try, what would be one of those for you? My tastes have changed from 2017 to today. But one that's always been my, kind of my go-to has always been Southernality. I think it's a lot about the story. Again, everything's story for me. Everything connects to story. And the story of that beer and kind of how it was born was we tried to do one big event every year here for the community. And uh, it's called Southern Wilds. It used to be called Simple Southernality. So it kind of was tied to that brand. And my brother-in-law is a band, A Thousand Horses. It was one of their songs called Southernality. And we kind of brewed that beer in their honor of, of coming and playing that show. Citra is one of the feature hops and it's just really, it's kind of along that same lines as Tropicalia would be uh, just a really juicy, easy drinking IPA that you can pick up and just very easily approachable. So that one for me has always been my favorite and uh, the artwork on the Canon half bad either. So that's awesome. Well, actually we'll be doing a tasting of that one in the next couple of months as well. So if our listeners want to come check you guys out, slowpourbrewing.com, right? Yep. And that gives all the information, uh, not only to come visit you guys in Lawrenceville, but also I know you guys, uh, your beer is in many of the stores across the, I think, across the area. How far away does your beer travel these days? So we're working on statewide distribution, and we're hoping we'll be in the next few months. We're working on with a distribution partner now to make sure that we can get all of that up and going. So we're hoping again, that will be in the next couple of months. And then right now it's just local to the state. We are working on some other projects in a neighboring state right now. So we'll release details of that probably in the next three or four months. Okay. Fantastic, so, man. Yeah. Well, so make sure that you go check out, visit Slowpore buy the beer in the local stores, right? And uh, John, we're just grateful. Thanks again for your time together today. And we wish you continued blessing, continued luck and all that you guys are doing. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, John. We love partnering with you all. Thank you for being really the pilot, the first ever Dads on Tap chapter. We look forward to many more years of partnership together. And so we're grateful for that. Well, let me get started with the story of Dads on Tap. Several years ago, uh, I was in some conversation with my neighbors, and we as dads were just struggling with a lot of things. I remember being out on a run one day with one of my neighbors, and as we were running, we're talking about just some things that we were struggling with as a dad. I remember going through some crises as dads and some things that were really hard, and just trying to figure out how do we take the right steps to help our kids in a very difficult time. And I started to realize that Oftentimes, not only do we as dads feel alone, 
But we wonder where can we go to connect, to engage in some community and learn about how to become a better dad. And so as I was thinking about that, I went to one of my neighbors who's a great dad and I said, hey Mike, Let's do something to help the neighbors in our neighborhood. Maybe it's a cigar around the fire a couple times a year, right, or something. And so we began to think through that. Two weeks later, I was invited by my friends at Slowpore to come and sit down with them. And they were talking about how to use their great facility there in Lawrenceville, Georgia, to reach the community. And my wheels started turning. You see, I thought, you know what? My neighbors would love to come have a beer. They'll come down to the brewery. And if we could provide an environment for them to learn some things about how to become a better dad in a really practical way, I think that might work. And so I went back to the owners of Slowpore and I said, hey, let's try this thing. We'll call it Dads on Tap, a night for dads who care about being a dad. And let's just see what happens. So we put it on the calendar. We had our first night. And I have to tell you, It turned out far better than I could have ever imagined. Not only did many of my neighbors come, but as word got out in the community through the customers of Slowpore and through some of my network, we began to put men every quarter, a bunch of guys into a room to provide a space for them, a laid back environment to learn some really practical things about how to be a better dad. And so that's really the heart of Dads on Tap. I started it for my neighbors because I thought dads in my community might need some help. Now, I also have to say this as we get started. For me as a dad, uh, my, my faith is a really important, is central to who I am as a dad. But I have to tell you this. I want you to understand this about Dads on Tap. Whether you share my faith, have a different faith, or frankly have no faith at all, is not the point of Dads on Tap. If you are a dad who cares about being a better dad than this podcast or one of our local chapters is a great place for you to go to learn something practical about how to be a better dad. Well, as we started to meet at Slowpore, what began to happen, and this was not a part of the plan, was other breweries started to hear about what we were doing. They started to reach out. They said, hey, we love that idea. Could we bring it to our brewery? And now after three years, we're in six breweries. Five of those are here across the region. One of those happens to be up in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And we've got several more breweries that are coming to us and asking, can we start a chapter of Dads on Tap? And so we've set it up as a nonprofit, and we've started to build some ideas around what makes a Dads on Tap work. And so let me just say this. If you happen to be a brewery owner or maybe you're a part of an investment group in a brewery, or maybe you're just a dad who loves beer and you have a favorite local brewery, we would love the opportunity to talk with you about how do you set up a chapter in your brewery, certainly here across the Atlanta region, but really anywhere across the country. This thing can come to your community. So if you have questions about that, email me at scott at dadsontap.com or you can also look at some videos at dadsontap.com. So we'd love to talk to you about that. But uh, let me continue on with what we are about as a nonprofit. We really are about allowing dads to come and hang out uh, in an environment that is really laid back and really cool and is a great place for dads to connect and to hear some important things from their community. And so what we've done is we actually invite community leaders to come and to share wisdom that they have for other dads in their community. And so we've done things like have a a local athletic director come, many of our chapters have done this, and talk about how do we think about being a dad with kids in sports. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get a little bit sideways when it comes to our kids in sports, right? And so that's a really practical thing. Uh, we've had counselors come who are birth order personality experts to talk about our wiring and how that relates to us being a dad. We've had authors come and talk about the power of a dad's influence in his daughter's life. And it's that type of practical thinking and practical ideas that we want to give you here at our podcast, as well as in our local chapters. And so we're very excited about what's happened, and we're very excited about the future as we expand our work. So let me begin today by sharing a little bit of my story. Through my story, you'll kind of hear the heart and maybe some more of the background of Dads on Tap. Growing up, I grew up as a kid in Michigan. My first jobs were on the farm, uh, detasseling corn and baling hay, right? I mean, I learned hard work. Uh, my dad was a business owner. And in the early days, he had a very successful company. In fact, I remember we had a nice house. We had a couple of brand new cars. We took vacations. Things were going really well. But about the age of eight, my family made a move from one community in Michigan to another. My dad tried to reestablish his business, and it just never worked. He tried hard, he worked hard, but at the end of the day, he just couldn't make ends meet. And so that began to create a lot of chaos in our families. I know if you're a dad out there that is listening to the podcast, or maybe you're watching this at one of our brewery partners, uh, you might know what it's like to live in a household of chaos. And so what happened for our family was the financial resources began to dry up. And so I remember many times in my family that our power was shut off. Now, when you live in Michigan and it's wintertime and your power is shut off, that's not a great combination, right? I remember many times not knowing where the next meal was coming from. And we were a part of a great little faith community that provided food for us, left groceries on our front step. I remember us not being able to pay our, our rental, our mortgage bill. And in fact, my dad had to ultimately file for bankruptcy, and so we lost everything. Me and my three brothers and my mom and dad had to move into a campground for several weeks, homeless, as we tried to figure out how do we put together enough resources to put a roof over our head and put food in our bellies. And so you can imagine, from that day on, my family life was chaos. In fact, between the age of 8 and 18, my family lived in 10 different physical houses, my four years of high school, I went to three different high schools, including a move from Michigan to Miami, Florida, before my senior year of high school. So from the farm to the 305, <laughs> it was a big difference. And through that process, my family life began to fall apart. I often think back on those days. I remember watching my dad, and for a part of that season, I lived with my dad, and so he was a single dad for a while. I remember watching my dad wrestle and struggle with things, and oftentimes I watched him do it alone. And I think back to those days, and I really wonder, what if my dad would have had a place like Dad's on Tap to come to talk with some other guys? What if he would have had a place to come where there was a counselor sharing some ideas that could have been helpful for him as a dad to understand, how do I still be a good dad when my world seems to be falling apart? but I know I need to still invest in my kids. And I lost my dad last year. He passed away. And I think back on those days, and I think if he would have had a place, I think it could have made things better for him. 
One of the things I love about Dads on Tap is, is that my dad would often ask me, hey, how's that Dads on Tap thing going, right? And I would share with him the good reports. And so losing him in December, I feel like I get to carry on certainly some of the learnings I have from my dad, but I also get to carry on his spirit because my dad cared for his sons. My dad was always there. I mean, I remember my dad growing up, I played basketball from like really, really early age, all the way up through high school. And I only remember my dad missing two of my basketball games during high school. And both times, he was in the hospital having health issues. And I remember walking in and him saying to me, son, I'm so sorry that I missed your basketball game. That was his commitment as a dad, was to be there. And that's the commitment that I hope we can all have as dads. Now, there was also a lot of challenges in our relationship. In fact, when my mom left for a little while uh, and I stayed with my dad, uh, we went through a lot of challenges, right? And I was a latchkey kid that came home and I was kind of by myself. But my mom came back and the way that my dad handled that was he pulled my older brother and I aside and he said, listen, guys, mom's coming home. We're not talking about it. We're moving on. And so as a teenager that had all of this confusion and all of this chaos, I did my best to try to move on from that trauma. And so for about 20 years, I moved on, did my own thing, never dealt with it until I had a mentor placed in my life named John. And I worked for John and I was about 36 years old when I started working for him. And John was the first person in my life that began to reflect to me that I had some challenges that I needed to deal with. I'll give you one example. We were at his house for an offsite gathering and we got on a topic of discussion that was a part of the work we were doing and I got really frustrated. In fact, I was flat out pissed off, right? And it showed up in the meeting. We got to the end of that session and John said, hey Scott, come here for a second. He pulled me out on his back deck. He looked me in the eye and he said, hey, what was that? I was a little confused. I said, hey, what was what? He said, listen, Scott, I know that that issue is a frustrating issue. And at one level, I understand why you are frustrated. He said, but Scott, your level of frustration is so much bigger than that issue. What's in the gap? And I realized at 36 years old, for the first time that I had these large gaps, I was completely unaware of. And guess what? Those things were showing up in my marriage with Natalie. Those things were showing up in my relationship with my kids. Now, luckily, my son was really young. My daughter wasn't born yet. And so I had some time to go do the work. And that threw me into about six years of counseling, dealt with a lot of the trauma. I had a lot of things that had showed up. And I'll give you a couple examples. So one of the things I learned as a kid was is that conflict is not just a, a negative thing. Conflict will cause the most important people in your life to walk out on you. Any of you out there that are listening or that are watching, you ever deal with some anxiety around conflict, right? Like, hey, we're not talking about it, we're moving on. That's what my dad said. And so what I began to do in my life, and especially in my marriage, was I began to avoid conflict at all costs. Here's an example of a conflict that blew up when I was a kid. I was 14 years old but I was a child of the 80s, and the, the first-gen Air Jordans had just come out. And I wanted a pair of the black, red, and white Jordan high-top ones, right? 
Well, my family was still struggling financially. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table and telling my parents that I wanted those shoes. And you know, those shoes back then were like $65, which was really expensive in the 80s, right? Nowadays, that's like a Walmart shoe, right? But back then, that was a lot of money. And I remember my mom saying to me, hey, we don't have enough money to purchase those shoes. Now, in my teenage, you know, uh, craziness, I guess, I responded not in the best way. I looked at her and I said, oh, you know, you're just selfish. Because I knew she had some money she had been saving, but she wasn't going to use that for tennis shoes. Well, didn't go very well. It blew up. My mom got up. She started walking down the hallway. My dad's there. He's not sure what to do. I remember walking beside my mom as she got the car keys and saying to her, Mom, don't leave. Please don't leave. She got in the car and she drove off. My dad looked at me in that moment and, you know, he was just frustrated trying to figure out what was going on. He looked at me and he said something to the effect of, look what you did. As a 14-year-old teenager, the false belief was planted in my head that I could do something to make the most important woman in my life walk out on me. That's a lot of fear. That's a lot of anxiety. And so what did I do from there on out? I avoided conflict at all costs. Here's the challenge. The key or one of the biggest keys to a deep relationship, whether it be with your spouse or with your kids or with friendships, is handling conflict well, right? If you can navigate conflict, you can develop a deeper relationship, but I never learned how to do that. Fast forward 20 years. My wife and I get into a little bit of an argument. My wife and I, if you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs assessment, don't share a single letter on the Myers-Briggs. I'm an INFP, which is life's dreamers. She's an ESTJ, which is life's administrators. And I'd love to tell you that dreamers and administrators just see, you know, the difference in each other and think it's perfect. But let's be frank, a lot of what we have done over the years is butt heads over things. So we did that one day, and it ended with my wife going upstairs and slamming our bedroom door. I waited about five minutes. I walked upstairs. I opened the bedroom door. She's getting dressed. And without even thinking about it, I looked at her and said, ah, sweetheart, don't leave. She gave me the weirdest look. And she said, what are you talking about? I'm not leaving. I'm just getting dressed. You see, 20 years later, look what you did was still so much in the back of my head that even when I had a normal conflict with my wife, I believe that conflict could cause her to walk out on me. And so I had to take a deep dive into the healing journey to try to fix those things so that I could not only be a better husband, a better man, but so that I could be a better father and help to teach my children how to deal with conflict in a really healthy way. And here's the truth for many of you dads. We all have our issues, right? Mine happen to be informed by a lot of trauma, crazy family, lots of chaos. Sometimes it can be something really simple. I remember my mentor, John, telling me when he was in high school that he had some friends that they took a test together and all of his friends aced it and he failed it. And they would make fun of him. Ah, John, you're just dumb. You're just dumb. 20 years later, he was sitting in a counseling meeting and the counselor looked at him and said, John, I want you to never say that around me again. John kind of got a little bit offended. He said, what are you talking about? She said, who told you you were dumb? He goes, what do you mean? She said, I can't tell you how many times we've been in a conversation where you have started a statement by saying, well, I'm not that smart, but she said, who told you you were dumb? And as John reflected back, it was those high school years formative years where a few friends had made fun of him that had planted the false belief that he was dumb. 
And so it could be something really simple like that. We all have those gaps, and it's super important for us to understand how do we navigate those gaps? How do we become the men that we want to be for our children? Regardless of what type of situation we might be in as a dad. Some of you, you're married, married a long time, right? That's kind of going okay. You're figuring that out. Some of you have maybe gone through a divorce, right? And that's a tough circumstance. I want to encourage you that regardless of where you are right now in your life circumstance, there are ways that you can grow and continue to get better. And so that's really the heart of Dads on Tap. That's my story. I love my dad. I still miss him. I'm still processing his loss. But if he could have had that place to have these kind of conversations, to hear things that could help him be a better dad, I think it would have made life just a little bit easier. And that's really our hope for you as dads. And so thank you for listening. Thank you for joining one of our chapters at a local brewery. And what I want to do now is I begin to close This first podcast is I want to give you just a few practical things that you can take right away and maybe think about as a dad. Here's the first one, and it's related to the story that I just told you. You have got to know your gaps. You have got to understand where are my gaps? Where are the things that are going to get in the way of me being a good dad? It could be that you grew up in a crazy household with a lot of chaos. If you've never sat down and had a conversation about that, I'm going to challenge you. Sit down, have a conversation, whether it's with a friend, whether it's with a counselor. Do something to figure out what is the gap and how am I going to make sure that I fill that gap in a positive way so I can be a great dad. And so you need to understand your gaps. I'll give you one simple way that you could know that. Certainly, if you grew up in a really challenging family, then you probably have some work to do. But here's a simple indicator of when you might have a gap. So when something shows up in your life, whether it's in relationship with family, whether it's something at work or some other element, and your response is bigger than the issue at hand, right? John said to me, Scott, I understand the frustration, but your frustration is so much bigger than that issue, what's in the gap. When you get frustrated over something that's bigger than the issue at hand, it's a great indicator that there's a gap that you need to pay attention to. And so if you happen to be sitting in a chapter, that might be a great conversation after we're done to talk with your little group or with a friend about, hey, where does my response show up as bigger or more intense than the situation at hand. That's a great way for you to think about your gaps. So number one, know your gaps. Number two is just a super practical idea that's paid a lot of dividends in my family, and I'm going to start with this. Never say, I'm sorry. Never say, I'm sorry. Now, you might be looking at me like, what do you mean, never say, I'm sorry? Like, you know, that's egotistical, right? No, here's what I mean. I'm sorry... We say in my, my family, like, we don't know what to do with that, right? So are you sorry you got caught? You're sorry that the other person feels that way? I'm sorry is not an admission of anything. It's just simply a statement. And so we never say I'm sorry. What we say is, I apologize. Will you forgive me? You see, first it's the humility to say, I need to apologize to you because I screwed up. And then I need to throw the ball in your court, whether it's with the kids or with the spouse or someone else, to say, 
will you forgive me, right? The humility to say, I need something from you. Now, I'm going to tell you, you can't control the response, right? There's many times when I've said to my wife, will you forgive me? And she goes, no, I'm not ready to forgive you yet, right? Now, that's on her, not me, okay? (laughs) But the truth is, I've done everything I can do to try to repair the mistake that I made. That's one of the greatest gifts my dad gave me. I remember from an early age that my dad always said, I apologize, will you forgive me when he did something wrong, where he needed forgiveness? And so I want to encourage you as dads, not only to do that yourself, but oftentimes my kids will come to me, they'll do something, they'll say, I'm sorry. And I, I respond, or my wife Natalie responds, well, I don't know what to do with that. And we force them towards, I apologize, will you forgive me? So never say, I'm sorry. And then The last thing I would say, there's a lot more things I could say, but the third thing I want to encourage you with is just simply don't quit. Don't quit. I'll be 50 this year, and I would not be where I'm at today, whether it's with my family, with my kids, in work life, and in business, if I wouldn't have just stayed committed to taking the next step. You see, being a dad is really hard. It's a great challenge. It always has been, but especially in the last couple of years with COVID, trying to navigate that ourselves and help our families with it, right? Dealing with issues like social media and all those challenges, it is really difficult to be a dad. So I want to challenge you, just don't quit. You know, one of the things about Dads on Tap that you need to know is that we're not just about at Dads on Tap getting everything right. Our interviews are not just about the people who are perfect and who got everything right. In fact, I've often joked that we could spend an entire podcast or several chapter nights talking about the dumbass things that we have done as a dad. The truth is that we're not going to get everything right. We're going to have some conflict. We're going to have some challenges. But I want to encourage you as dads, just simply don't quit. Don't give up. I've had many conversations with friends of mine who's kids get into their teenage years and they reach a really difficult place and they say, well, I just, I don't know what to do. And so I just, I I backed up, like I kind of leaving them alone. Do not leave your kids alone. Whether you're a single dad, whether you're uh, partnering with a spouse, whatever situation you're in, you need to press in Push through, right? They're, they're pushing back on you. Push through their lack of desire to talk and have a conversation. Let them know that you're in it with them, that you're there for them. And I promise you, it will have a great effect. Maybe not in the moment, but they'll know you care enough to navigate the challenges and the awkwardness to keep being their dad and showing up for them. So, Three simple things. Know your gaps. First of all, explore them and figure them out, and then go get some help, right? For me, that took six years. Hopefully, it won't take that long for you. You know, it might be one meeting, but begin to go figure out those gaps, right? Second, never say, I'm sorry. Be humble. I apologize. Will you forgive me? Create that type of a culture in your home. Show your kids that type of humility. And then lastly, don't quit. It's the whole reason why I started Dads on Tap. I know it's easy to quit as a dad. I know it's easy to get frustrated and discouraged. I know the anxiety sometimes that comes with it. But don't quit. Put yourself in places, listening to podcasts like this, going to your local chapter of Dads on Tap, maybe starting a new chapter in your community so dads can come together, right, and have the encouragement. Do the things necessary 
but don't quit. And I promise you, you'll see great dividends in the days ahead. So thank you for joining us on this journey. Our future podcasts are going to have great guests with us that are going to share really interesting things about their journey, great dads who have a lot to share with us. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you to follow us at the Dads on Tap. That's on Instagram. You can kind of stay updated on what's happening there. I also wanted to wait till the end of this podcast because we're going to partner with our, our sponsor this month, Slowpour, to do some giveaways, right? They have some cool glasses, some cool hats. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do three giveaways of some cool gear from Slowpour, and here's how you're going to get that. You are going to go on to Instagram. You're going to follow us at the Dads on Tap, and you're going to post a note there to us that simply says, I followed you guys on the podcast and tag Slowpour. I also want you to go ahead and follow Slowpour as well, right? Because it's a great brewery. Go ahead and post something on our Instagram, tag Slowpour. And the first three that do that, we've got a special gift that we'll figure out how to get to you. Also, once again, if you're a brewery that's interested or you're a dad that has a great local brewery and you're interested in hearing more about how to start a chapter, we would love the opportunity to talk to you. So send me an email at scott at dadsontap.com. Go check out our website. And most importantly, if you're a dad who's in a difficult place, you're not sure where to turn, would you please reach out to me and send me an email? Once again, scott at dadsontap.com. I would love the chance to encourage you. I'd love the chance to help you think through what your challenges are because we are in this together. And that's the heart of Dads on Tap. So follow us on Instagram. Connect with me if you need to. Go find a local chapter. Get ready to start your own chapter. But most importantly, as I close this first episode, here's my challenge to you. Go take what you have learned today, just one thing that's been helpful for you, and go do something to become a better dad. We'll talk to you next month. Yeah.